you're listening to highlights from One Planet Podcast's interview with Derek Emsley, CEO of Veritrain. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. Tentree was ultimately a business model that we built or a company that we built with this idea of, well, maybe we can create a product and a brand around that product that allows us to plant trees. And, you know, we were agnostic as to what that product was, but t-shirts proved to be a really powerful vehicle. And ultimately it was about three years ago, actually, when we started to realize that we needed more auditing and verification and transparency into the work we were doing. We were funding tens of millions of trees a year and we were spending millions of dollars on the, on this tree planting. And we realized that as we continued to grow the business, that wasn't a scalable approach. We needed technology. We needed a way to gather that data from the ground, to audit it, report on it, verify it, all these different things. And, and so for us, Veritree was ultimately a solution to our own need, which was we need to be confident in the claims that we're making to our customers. How do you measure biodiversity and wildlife and the whole ecosystem? So really for us, Veritree helps us collect all that data and create sort of the operating system to pull in the data on everything from planting forms and field updates that are coming in, survivability analysis and different sort of updates on on things like you talked about. These are steps towards moving beyond thinking about carbon offsets. I think the power of carbon offsets is that it creates a fungible, tradable, financeable product that we as you know, businesses as governments can hold one another accountable to. But on the, on the flip side of it, it, it actually sort of, it, it makes us quite myopic with our thinking and our, and our focus around actually what climate mitigation and this sort of transition we're going through over the next 30 years will actually look like if done correctly. So it can't just be about carbon. It has to be about the socioeconomic impact and the, the impact on the communities it has to be about so the impact on the biodiversity and the wildlife and the long-term habitability of the areas. What do you think is the role of corporations and businesses in mitigating climate change as we were just talking about? You know, if you, if you look at the, if you look at the IPCC reports and things like that, you know, there's, we're on this 30 year journey to prevent us from going beyond a degree and a half of warming. And so to me, that doesn't just sit in the hands of the government. It doesn't sit in the hands of, frankly, the individual, which a lot of times like things like carbon footprinting and stuff have sort of put the onus on the individual. I believe it really sits in, in the businesses as well. And so when I think of the role that they have to play, I believe it's a bit of a transition of business models. Sustainability has really become a much more talked about approach to business, which I would say is, is about thinking through the impact you're having, measuring and reducing that negative impact. But to me, again, you look at where we're headed, you look at this trajectory we're on, that's not enough. And so for us, our belief is what we need is a restorative business model, this, this next evolution of this, where the, the purpose of business is not purely to do less bad, it's to do more good. And it's using business as a vehicle to actually accelerate our approach to climate mitigation. It's, it's using business as a way to actually allow consumers to partake in their ability to have an impact. And it helps us get to that end goal faster. 
Right. And having said this, what is the role of Veritree, if there is one, in making sure that corporations' actions go beyond working with you? Is there actually a positive outcome happening if if the the partnering of Veritree is saying, look at over here all we're doing with the tree planting, but so you don't look over here at all the stuff that we're not thinking about. And so there it needs to be an acknowledgement that we are in a transition. And the reality is this doesn't happen overnight. This takes time. So the flip side of that, I believe, is that when we think of partnering with organizations at Veritree, we want to create really incredible long-term partnerships where people are really incorporating this into their long-term brand storytelling. But at the same time, that messaging has to be holistic. So we tend to try to work with the partners that we select to work with and that choose to work with us to say, this can't be the only thing that's happening. We, we, we partner with groups that have a belief in reducing their negative footprint at the same time as creating a positive impact. Yeah. And tell us about some of those partnerships and some of the projects around the world. You know, when we, when we started the, the process to build Veritree, there actually wasn't a plan to roll this out to other organizations, but about seven, eight months ago, we had people really knocking on our door saying, you know, we want to partner with you. We want to use Veritree to sort of monitor some of our tree planting. And I think what we realized was there's such an opportunity to help support this wave that's coming around sustainability to make sure not only does it maintain itself, but it actually accelerates in a transparent, auditable, accountable way. And many experts tell us that tree planting is only a successful practice if the right tree is being planted in the right place. So can you tell us a little bit about the process of selecting which trees are being planted and which benefits are being prioritized? And, and so th this idea of the right tree in the right location at the right time is, is absolutely core. The, the point I would add to it is the right incentives, because frankly, actually identifying the right tree in the right location is not necessarily the hardest part. It's, it's absolutely a major challenge because, you know, you generally want uh, native species. You want to make sure that you are, you're, you know, not doing monoculture. So you're doing different, different types of species that are native to that area and you're restoring like a true habitat. And you want to make sure that that's reflective of what the natural habitat would be so that it's bringing back animals and biodiversity and things like that. But the key point in that, that final one that I made, which is the incentive structure to me is actually one of the hardest pieces of this entire thing, because really deforestation, but largely speaking globally, deforestation is happening because the incentives are not there for those trees to be protected. It's about making sure that the actual core incentives in the community are there to make sure that those trees are protected, to make sure that those individuals are educated on why cutting down trees has maybe actually led to things like soil erosion and, and poor farming practices and things like that. And then make sure that there's also the right incentive structure there to make sure that those trees are protected. I'd also like to go back a little bit to Ten Tree because I think this is a great way to get people emotionally involved in their purchases. It's really sustainable clothing. Yeah, to me, when, when I think of what we built at Ten Tree, a lot of people look at us as an apparel brand that plants trees. I view us as a tree planting company that happens to sell apparel. And so to me, when we built this business, we were agnostic as to what the product would be. 
our view was if we create a product and a brand that gets consumers excited about the opportunity to plant trees, then we can use that as a way to fund the tree planting. Our goal is to plant a billion trees by 2030. And 10 tree is going to play a major role in that. I think within the next five years, 10 tree should pass over a quarter billion trees planted, if not, you know, over 300 million. And, but arguably as, or more important than that is actually trying to shift the narrative around climate change so that it's not focused on guilt. So as you think about the future, what would you like young people to know, preserve and remember? Mm. You know, to me, it ultimately comes down to trying, failing and keeping and just continuing on. I think if there was one thing that I really learned growing up that I think has been critical to our success is that, you know, we have short memories when we fail, but we take the lessons and learn from them. And I think, you know, this is part of my frustration with a lot of this disempowering narrative around climate change. What making an individual feel small, like they can't take part or have an actual impact is it prevents us, prevents generations from actually taking action and realizing that they actually do have a voice and that they do have the ability to make change. So my biggest piece of feedback is to try things and fail and accept it and actually, you know, kind of enjoy it because Failure is going to lead to learning. Learning is going to lead to better ideas. And those ideas are exactly what we need. We hope you've enjoyed this program and listening to the highlights of this podcast. If you would like to get involved in One Planet Podcast or learn more about environmental projects, click on the subscribe button. Thank you for listening.